It is really nice to be with you guys this morning and, um, and to be able to share God's word with you. Uh, if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Psalm 23, uh, we're going to just explore this amazing passage together. Um, there's a beauty in the Psalms, church. There really is. Uh, when you open up the Psalms, what, what you're seeing uh, is the, the, the prayers of imperfect men. You're seeing the, the, the declarations of praise. You're seeing their fears. You're seeing uh, all of these various types of emotions coming from men who are fully dependent upon God. And they're simply crying out. I mean, have you ever noticed how the Psalms sometimes feel like, you know, these guys have Tourette's? They're like way up here. They're all over, they're all over the map. Um, it, but, but, but there's a reason for that. Have, have, have you ever just had a moment with the Lord where you're just crying out? And sometimes it's just complete nonsense. And other times it's just like this thing of beauty when you come to the understanding that you are in the presence of a holy God. And he sees you just as you are. And he meets you there with mercy and he meets you there with grace. When I look at the Psalms, that's what I see. I see, I see a foundation laid by a faithful father that allows these people to have a platform to declare the glories of God. They don't deserve that platform any more than you and I deserve that platform, but God gives them that platform and they can just declare the wonders of his glory. And so I wanted to go through Psalms 23 with you for two reasons. Number one, Jeremiah called me at five o'clock, so it's the first thing that came to my mind that I, I knew really well. But secondly, because I believe that as the church, we are constantly in a season where we need to be reminded about who our God is, about the goodness of God, about the sovereignty of God, how he's completely involved in all the details. David would even pen it. He would even say, what, that all of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. Right, so, so we understand that God's in the details. He's planned our life and all the things that are happening around us, whether, I mean, whether what's happening on the news or what's happening in your home, God is using all of these things for his church, for his honor and for his glory to draw us close to himself and to reveal the beauty of his son. You know, and, 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 so, and so there's great comfort and rest knowing that, like David is about to say to us that I am a sheep and he is the shepherd and I completely depend upon him. Amen? So, so um, let's explore this passage together. Um, I want to start off with um, uh, something that Spurgeon wrote about the passage that I think, I think is absolutely marvelous. Uh, he said, like many others, this beloved psalm bears the simple title, a psalm of David. Most account it to be a psalm of David's maturity, but with vivid remembrance of his youth as a shepherd. Spurgeon wrote, I like to recall the fact that this psalm was written by David probably when he was a king. He had a, been a shepherd and was not ashamed of his former occupation. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, uh, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm on, and consolation into the heart of the sick, of the captives in the dungeon, of the widows in their um, uh, pinching griefs, 
of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and the broken uh, and broken his chains. And like Peter's angel led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning, not so much that he was gone as because they were left behind and could not go to. Church, this is a special psalm. You guys ready to dig in? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Psalm 23. David writes, first, the Lord is my shepherd. Any, uh, anybody in here like to underline things and circle things? Okay, yeah, 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 all right, yeah. Grab your pen. This is the time to do it, all right? The Lord, underline that, the Lord. Set your mind on him. Set your, your heart on him. Get fixated on him. The Lord, circle, is my, my shepherd. That's a miracle, isn't it? That the Lord could be our anything other than our judge. He is our shepherd. David would go to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He remembered the times when he was a shepherd. And this is the, this is the thing about being a shepherd, okay? This is the thing about being, this is not a glamorous thing to be a shepherd. In fact, in fact, the youngest boy in the family would end up shepherding the sheep. So David, the youngest, the least in his family, he became the shepherd and he understood what it took to be a good shepherd, and I, you can just think about this as he looks inward and as he reflects back on his life, he sees the faithfulness of God and how, how God even just used him being a shepherd and, and like getting all dirty and all the details of the lives of the sheep and all the hard work that it takes. He looked at that and he said, man, this is what God has done for me. This is what the Father has done for me in my life. He has looked at me and he's seen me and he's ordered my steps and he's ordered my days and he's taken me from here to here and he's been faithful all along. Church, I, I, I just want to encourage you to do this. Sometime today, maybe not today, today's the Super Bowl, tomorrow, whatever. But go and grab a, a, a notebook, right? Go, go grab a notebook and grow, grab a, a pen and go grab your Bible and get up maybe a half an hour earlier than you normally would and, and, and go and just get your pen and write down, Dear Lord, and begin to write down to the Lord all the ways he's been good to you. Please. Because you'll, you'll look inward and you realize, oh man, I am not good, but he is good. And look what he's done for me. You'll begin to remember and to reflect on all the things that God has done in the way that he has loved you well and been your father. So David says, man, the Lord, he is my shepherd. And David understands what that means. And because he, creator, God of the cosmos and of the heavens and, and the earth and everything in the earth, that God, because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is both a, a, a declaration and a decision, isn't it? Because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am going to be okay with, with whatever he's given me, 
I, I, I'm good. The Lord's my shepherd. I don't need anything else. And then it's also a decision. I'm choosing not to want more than what he has given me. Anybody ever struggle with wanting more than what the Lord's given you? We get really good at chasing after lesser things. I am probably the chief among you at chasing after lesser things. Any of you in this room that have ever worked with me know Matt is a guy that sometimes just chases lesser things. But, but passages like this, see, I, 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 I don't like that Jeremiah's in quarantine. But for my own soul, I needed Jeremiah to be in quarantine today because I needed to study this passage again. Sorry, Jeremiah, if you're watching. I love you, buddy. But I needed to be reminded of this again. My soul needed to be reminded of this again, that I don't need anything more than what my God has given me. The Lord is my shepherd, is your shepherd. So what? We shall not want. Let's qualify that statement. David does. Your underliner or circler, circle this, he, he. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Church, the Lord knows when his people need rest. He knows when you need rest, when you don't know that you need rest. Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't just know that I need rest, but he also knows where to give me rest. He takes me to those places that I need to go to have rest. He's going to take me to the green pasture. He's not going to lay me down necessarily in the dirt. He's going to take me over here. This is where Matt needs to go. This is where I have him. This is where he needs to go. And he needs to be reminded that he needs rest. Why? Because I am a sheep and sheep are dumb. <laughs> that's, that's a it's a fact, right? It, we, sheep are dumb. Uh, very intelligent people in, in this room, but you're all sheep, okay? You're all sheep. I'm a sheep, you're a sheep, we're all sheep. Isn't that nice? No one's better than the other person in this room, right? And we all need Jesus. We all need the Father, don't we? We all need him to order our steps, don't we? Why? Because we're sheep, and sheep need a shepherd, and we have a good shepherd, who leads us and makes us lay down in green pastures so that we can rest fully. So that we can rest fully. He, circle, he leads me beside still waters. You don't take a sheep to rushing waters to drink because they are dumb. They will go to drink deeply and they will be swept away. The shepherd takes his sheep to a place where they can drink deeply. They can spend their time. They can be there to that place where the shepherd, our father, has, has brought them and they can go and they can drink Deeply. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? You drink of this water and you will never thirst again. The shepherd takes the sheep to a place where we can, can spend time and we can, and we can rest and we can drink deeply and we can take in the blessings of, of God. 
David considers his life and he thinks about what he did for his sheep to protect his sheep, to, to take his sheep to the place where they could have the most success and the most drink and the, the place of rest. And he said, Lord, this is what you've done for me. You've taken me to green pastures and you've, you've lead, led me to still waters so that I can drink deeply. He, circle it, he restores my soul. He restores my mind, my emotions, all of those things, but it goes deeper than that. And I am not, I'm not a, a, a guy who, uh, don't ask me to read Hebrew for you, I can't, but I do study the Bible, and I do study a bunch of commentaries and a bunch of all that fun stuff. And, um, and what I can tell you about what this means here is, it's used in several other passages, and it, it talks about conversion the restoring of the soul. It's, it's that sheep who wandered. I didn't know that I needed a shepherd, but when the sheep realizes that he needs the shepherd and becomes dependent upon the shepherd, that is the restoration of the soul. That is the, the, the correction of the mind. And, and this is what happens for the sheep when they realize that they need to be dependent upon the shepherd. They find themselves at a place, man, this is, this is exactly where I need to be. I need to trust in my shepherd. And, and in that process, we see a restoration of the soul. And I just want to add, this is again, this is a beautiful time of reflection, right? In what ways this week have you tried to fix that yourself? Just, just think back for a moment. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you clo close your eyes. We're not going to do a 10-minute thing here where you just, you know, <laughs> we're not doing that. But, but I, I really do want you to sit back and I want you to reflect a little bit. I want you to think, in what ways this week have I tried to be the restorer of my soul? Have I tried to fill my life with things that, that make me feel better, that, 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 that takes my mind to, from all of this to to this, you know, what have I been doing? What have I tried to like fill in and read or, 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 or listen to or, or take in whatever to, to make myself feel better when you have, when we have as the church, the great shepherd who is the restorer of your soul. And guys, this happens in moments of reflection when we stop and we think about the goodness of God. And we let all the other noise fade away. And we, and we push everything else aside. And it's just you and it's God and the understanding that he is your provider. There is not a more beautiful place for the Christian to be than in the presence of their God, knowingly. When you look at him and you see him for who he is and you say, oh, yes, indeed, you have taken me to green pastures. You have led me besides the waters. You are the restorer of my soul. You have restored it. It is yours. David knows this all too well. He restores my soul. He, circle it, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Church, little application. How did you come to know Jesus Christ?
What works did you do? What boxes did you check to earn his love and his salvation? What steps did you take? How many church services did you go to? How many people did you help cross the street? How much money did you give? None of it would have been enough because only he can lead you in paths of righteousness. Only he. There was a moment and a time, and I believe probably, probably most of the people in this room, there's a moment and a time where the Lord, where the Lord gave you the faith to believe in the gospel that you would hear. He gave you the faith and you believed and you belong to him. And the righteousness that was needed was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You looked at it. He saw it. You had the faith to believe and you received it. And all of it was from him. Not by works so that no one could boast. David's not sitting here saying, man, Lord, I really, I found, my, I found myself in a place of righteousness. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. He couldn't do that. David knows at the heart, he's a shepherd boy. Less than that, he's a sheep. How else could the sheep get from point A to point B unless a good shepherd took them there? Does, does this encourage you? I'm not looking for anyone to stand on their chair and yell amen. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, are you encouraged by this word? It's not my words, it's God's word. Is this encur- I hope it encourages you. I hope that this blesses you, that you see and you hear again today as you do every time we gather that the Lord loves you. He loves his church. He is leading his church. He is equipping his church. He is taking you from point A to point B. He knows all of our names and he's ordered all of our steps, all of our days written in his book before one of them came to be. Praise God. Praise God. In this season of the church, of the North American church, and how we go about our community, and everything's so different now, isn't it? It's a little different. It's a little, it's a little funky. But God's word hasn't changed. The, the, the mission of the church hasn't changed. God is going to have his way. He's going to do his thing. And while we may not understand this valley of the shadow, he is in here with us, leading us. And in that, we don't have to fear. Right? Yippers? We're there? I got a thumbs up? This is good. All right. There we go. He leads me in paths of righteousness and what? For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Circle that too. For his name's sake. This isn't so people can look at us and say, oh, wow, they are so righteous. <laughs> no. No, it has nothing to do with us. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples. What did Jesus say? By the way you love one another. Remember John 17 when Jesus is praying for his church? Father, may you be in them as I am in you, right? What? So that the world may know that you have sent me. Guys, this is all about the Lord. 
for his name's sake, for his glory. We get to participate by his grace. And this is all the wonderful things that the Lord has done. This next part is the part, I think, that can get a little misunderstood. And so we're going to spend a smidge amount of time on it. Is that cool? All right. David says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So David was a shepherd boy, right? There's a, a valley that lies between Jericho and Jerusalem. Um, it's like the main shepherd's uh, route from, from the, the, uh, the, the, um, Jer- the Jordan uh, River Valley and then like the hill country of Judea. And they would have to go through this valley of the shadow of death. They called it that. It was, it's still there today. You would go through it. And um, there was a lot of bad things that happened in this valley. This is a real place. It's not just this figurative, beautiful language. It's a real place. Nobody wants to go through that place. But we all will. And we all have. I, I would, this isn't just a, a part of the verse about physical death. This is about being in a place that you don't want to be. This is about getting the phone call that you don't want to receive. This is about having to go through a, a, a season of wearing masks and, and COVID and, and seeing our loved ones pass away and, and, and losing a job or, or whatever your valley of the shadow might be, not being able to gather as a church in 2020, whatever the valley of the shadow has been in your life, in your past, maybe it was abuse, maybe it was all different kinds of things. I don't know what those things are, but I know each and every single one of us have had a valley of the shadow of death, but here's the beautiful piece of it. We don't have to fear. Why? Because you are with me. I can be in this valley of the shadow and I can be okay because as a sheep, I'm looking at my shepherd and I know my shepherd is going to take care of me. Right? Oh, I, I hope this encourages you. I hope this encourages you because someone in this room, I'm sure of it, in the next month is going to go through some valley of the shadow. And, and the valley of the shadow can be, you know, it's, even what most people would see, deem as something simple. But here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Every single point of life, the shepherd is with us. You, you see the commonality in this passage. From the beginning to the never ending, which we'll get to, the Lord is with his church. He's with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, this place I don't want to be, I will fear no evil because you are with me. This is the learned behavior of the sheep. We've learned about the faithfulness of God. We learn that he takes me to green pastures. We've learned that he takes me to quiet waters. We've learned that he's the restorer of our soul. So when I have to go through the valley, I fear no evil because I know who my God is. And he continues. Your rod and your staff are a comfort to me. And I always found this really interesting, right? Um, I grew up in a, in, a, in a Baptist family in the 1980s. 
Some of you guys will know where this is going right off the bat. Okay, <laughs> they did not spare the rod. Okay, um, and 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 uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Like no, they did not spare the rod, right? And and um, and uh, so early on in my studying years of the Bible, I was like, that would not the rod doesn't sound nice to me at all. But in the hands of a faithful shepherd, I know what that rod is doing. He's leading a sheep that doesn't want to be led. When that sheep wanders away, he's breaking the leg of the sheep and he's putting that sheep on his shoulders until the leg heals so the sheep learns how to depend on him. That's a comforting thing, that the Lord would love me enough to come after me, smack me on the leg, and put me up onto his shoulder so I would learn how good he is and how much I can trust him. The staff to protect me. And all the things that those instruments do, the sheep learns to love those things and be instructed by those things and embrace those things because the one wielding those things is altogether lovely and good. The rod and the staff in your hands, Father, though they become of comfort to me. And then look at this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I always found this really fascinating. The Lord has prepared for his church a banquet, hasn't he? Every single week we come here and we receive we receive the bread and the cup, right? And we are invited to this feast that we do not belong at. And it's done so in the presence of our enemies. And the enemies are not the people in this room. It's the prince and the, uh, the, and the principalities and the power of the air. We are surrounded by a host of enemy that did not want you to have a relationship with God, that did not want me to have a relationship with God. But we are blessed by our Father in their presence. Being invited to this, to this table isn't, isn't the absence of the enemy, it's protection from the enemy. And that's what he's done for us. We've been invited to a table we don't belong at. We've been invited to this table in the presence of our enemies. And on top of that, look at this, you anoint my head with oil. They would take oil and the, the honored guest would be seated at the table and they would put oil on the top of their head. It's like this, this symbolic gesture of, hey, this is an, you're an honored guest at this table. And David said, you've, you've done this for me, this little ridiculous dumb sheep. You, you have been my shepherd. You have been good to me and you've been even more good to me. You've invited me to a table I don't belong at and then you have made me an honored guest in your presence how is that possible, church, except that we just have a really, really good God? Right? He's good. When you begin to question life and you begin to question what's going on around you, just stop for a moment and say, God is sovereign. He is fully in control and he is fully good and I can trust him. I don't have to understand. If you could understand all the ins and outs and everything that God does from the beginning to end, we wouldn't be worshiping him. We'd be worshiping you. But the fact is, you can't and I can't. But what, so what do we have left? We have a God who is wonderful, a God who is good, 
a God that we can trust, a God who prepares a meal before our enemies and treats us as an honored guest. Bask in that. Do it. Swim in it. Blow bubbles. Enjoy it. It's amazing. It's a table you don't belong at and I don't belong at. And he's done it for you and he's done it for me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You keep bringing, you keep bringing it. You keep bringing it. Blessings running over. And look at this. David says, surely. He has no doubt. No doubt. Church, are you convinced that this is true? Are you convinced in your mind? Are you convinced in your soul that this is true? David says, surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, that's the beauty in it, right? God knows what we don't know. He sees what we don't see. We see what's in front of us, right? We kind of have this, this little one-dimensional kind of thing of what's happening. And, but he sees all and he knows all, right? So when I see this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I can imagine you can relate with me in that there are days in which you look at what's around you and you say, I don't see a lot of goodness and I don't see a lot of mercy. But there are a lot of things that you don't see. You don't see that moment in which we will be with the Lord forever. You don't see uh, all the way that God has protected you through it and has shielded you through it from all the other things that the enemy may have wanted to do in this situation. You don't see any of that stuff. What you see is what is in front of you. So sometimes we have to stop for a second and say, but God is good. But God is great. But God knows what he's doing, and I trust him. And surely his goodness and his mercy will continue to follow me. I believe it. I'm not talking about positive thinking, guys. I'm talking about belief. I don't always think this, but I believe it. My mind wants to tell me to do one thing, but my soul and my heart are deeply embedded in this truth. And this truth is what changes this man. Right? Surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me. It has. It will. It does. All the days of my life. From beginning to never ending. Look at this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that encourage you? I know I've asked that a lot today. But I want you to think about it. I want you to let it settle in and just take some root. A lot of times the church um, 
does this against each other, don't we, sometimes? There's no perfect church. We're, this is going to happen, infighting, little bits of, you know, all that stuff happens. There are relationships this side of heaven. I don't think that in my life will ever be repaired. But one day, we will all be absent from the body and present with the Lord. One day, we will all dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have that hope. And that's a sustaining hope. And it gives us perspective when we're here together. There's going to be things that we don't, we don't agree on, but we're going to be together forever. So I can look past it. You can look past my six foot four ugly frame and be like, yeah, okay. that guy's a little annoying. But yeah, no, it's cool. We're going to be in heaven together and he won't maybe be as annoying or I won't care. You know, but, but, what, but it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? That God's church is his church, that his people are his people, that his family are his family, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and one day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, God is good. Isn't he? I hope this passage encourages you. I hope that tomorrow morning you go and you spend just a few moments, you grab that pen, and you begin to write a little letter to the Father. I'm so glad that, that they were pinning their praises in their prayers. Aren't you? I'm super ADHD. It helps me when I do that, to focus in. Go and spend some time with your Father. Remember his faithfulness and his goodness. Church, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet, still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He prepares the table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Church, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for preparing this table before us that Lord, we don't, we don't deserve to be here. I didn't bring anything to the table. These guys didn't. You invited us here. You invited us here. You made a way for us to be here through the beautiful and broken body of your son, Jesus, who now 
is at your right hand. Grave, where is your sting? God, thank you. Thank you for gathering your church and for loving us in this way. We worship you.